Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. I want to begin the first of three messages about purpose. I mean, that's, that's what we're going to be talking on for the next three weeks is purpose. And this is going to be a kind of big picture vision for our church. But I believe it will absolutely give you purpose in your life. I, I want to talk to us about three things that we're going to be about, the things that we're going to focus on. And, you know, every church has to decide what kind of church are we? Like, what is it that we're doing? Like, why are we here? Why do we exist? This is why we exist. These three things that we're going to begin to talk about today, I'm hoping it's going to clarify some things for you. Not just Renaissance Church, but for you, to clarify purpose for you personally. I want to put some feet on our mission. You've heard me talk about our mission, that we exist to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life and all the earth. And I want to just put some feet on what does that mean for us as a church body to bring the gospel into all of life and all the earth. And that's what I hope this will speak to. I want to answer the now what question. If you're checking out church and and you're not sure about Jesus yet, I just want to say, welcome. Like, I'm so glad that you're here with us or joining us online. We're so glad you're here. This is a great place to check this out. And you might be thinking, okay, I've come to a service. Now what? I hope this will answer that for you. For those of you that are uh, new to this, you're you're new to, uh, to following Jesus. You're like, you know, I believe in Jesus. Now what? Or, or maybe you're a person who's coming back. It's like there, there was a season of your life where you, you've turned away from the Lord, but you, you're, you know God's calling you back to himself, and you're like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm here. Now what? Or you're like, man, I've, I've been a believer for a long time. I've been following Jesus, and I've been around church, and I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly of being a part of the church, and I'm like, now what? What's, what's my purpose? What's our purpose. It's these three things that we're going to talk about. If we could summarize what we see the followers of Jesus doing in the New Testament, it's these three things. When I stand before the Lord, which I will stand before the Lord and give an account for my life, if I could just say these three things, I would feel really, really good about that. If I could, you know, if or when I stand before the Lord and he asks me, how did you lead the church? If I could say, I led them to do these three things. I I would feel like I honored the Lord. These are really, really important things. And do you want to know what they are? 
I, I hope you're saying yes, and maybe I've built them up a little bit, and, and when I say them, you're going to be like, oh, okay, because, because they're not like incredibly complicated. They're not uh, like, oh, wow, that, I've never heard that before. It's nothing unusual, nothing out of the ordinary, but I think these are things that are so simple, and as Ronald Reagan said, we have no, we have no uh, easy answers, only simple ones. <laughs> they're simple, uncomplicated. But if we would give ourselves to these three things, it would be transformative to our life and to our world. So here they are. Here's the three things. The first thing, the first purpose, the thing I want everybody on planet Earth to do, the thing I want you to do, the thing that I want to do, number one, walk with God. Very first thing. Our purpose as a church, we want to help you walk with God. And to where you, like, literally, you know, like, I am walking with the Lord. That's what we're going to talk about today. The second is that you grow in community. We want to help you grow as a person, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus in the community that God's called you, not only to himself personally, but to his church. And third, we want to help you. We want to help everybody. What I want to do, live on mission. Those are the three purposes that we're going to be talking about. But today, I want to begin with walk with God. And if you have a copy of the scriptures, go with me to Genesis chapter 3. If you have an app on your phone that you like to read the Bible on, you can pull that out and go to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at two verses, only two verses today. But they're so good. They're so profound. They're packed with meaning for us. And I'll just let you know, if you're new to the Bible, you're new to a church in Jesus. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and the word Genesis means the beginning. And it tells the beginning. It tells how God created the heavens and the earth. And, and uh, chapter two is kind of a double click on day six where God creates man and woman in his image. And then chapter three, we get to this part. It's called the temptation and the fall. You probably know the story of the serpent and the forbidden fruit and the tree and Adam and Eve eating it and that's where we are in the story. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 8 and 9. It says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? This is the word of the Lord. Now, I know it's, it's only two verses, but I just, I don't want us to miss what's happening in this moment, because I think this is key to understanding the whole Bible. It's key to understanding Jesus. Like, what is it that Jesus came to do and to restore? Like, what's this gospel message that we're talking about? Well, it's, it's, it's found in these two verses. And I think it's going to help you understand your own life. God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, looking for his walking partners. And he says, where are you? Where are you? See, the first thing that I want you to understand is that you were made to walk with God. Okay? You were made for this. You were made to walk with God. It's, it's, what, it's what God designed us to do. It's, it's why we see here God is in the garden 
looking for his companions, his creation, the ones that he's made. And it's like, this is a regular thing for them. God shows up and we walk and we talk with him. And I want you to know that God made you for that. Now, I know when I talk about creation and being made that for Western educated people, that can be a little bit of a stumbling block. I get that because we're taught, right? We're taught that we evolved. We're, we're taught that, all right? So I know that when we say creation, some of you think evolution is fact, creation is faith. And I just want to dismiss that myth for a moment because it takes a lot of faith. I, I would say it might take more faith to believe that you evolved than to believe that you, you were created. Here's what I mean. To believe in evolution, which it is a belief system, it's a faith system, you have to have faith that something came from nothing. That matter came from non-matter. That order came from non-order. That being came from non-being. And intelligence came from non-intelligence. I just think that's, that's a huge leap of faith to say that something came from nothing. Whereas the Bible says something came from someone. And he made you, that you're created. And on the authority of God's word, I want you to know that God designed you for a specific purpose, and it's to walk with him. You were made for this. You were absolutely designed, created by God to do this. And, and I, I brought an illustration. I, I'm, I'm becoming the illustration guy. I had shoes last week if you weren't here, but I, I'm becoming the illustration guy. But this is how my mind works, and it helps me to, to picture something. So I just want you to imagine that this rope is kind of like your connection to God. Okay? So, so just picture like maybe this is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, like big God. And this rope is around him, right? And here's you. And you were created with this connection to God. And you're tied to him, right? You're connected to God like this. That's God. Here's me. And wherever I go, I'm constantly connected to him, right? That's the picture that we see in Genesis. They were constantly connected to God, but then we have this moment where sin comes into the story, and, and, and the, the thing about sin is that sin, what it really did is it severs the connection, right? And, and so God is over there, and, and now you're no longer connected. God has to remove them from the garden. That relationship is, is broken, and here's how we live now. We're like, what do I do with this thing? Right? We're, we're people that live, you know, we're like, you know, I, I don't know, I, 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 how does this work? I just feel like there's something missing in my life. And it's because we have this, this thing is hanging off of us and we don't know where it goes. Right? And so you're like, well, you know, I, I, I watch the movies and if I find a soulmate, then this will connect to something and, and I will feel like the missing piece is there. Right? And so you, you, you find a person and you put all the weight of your need to connect this thing to something onto them. And they're like, you're killing me, you're smothering me, or you become codependent or whatever. It's just like, it doesn't work, right? You're like, ah, oh. it's, it's pleasure. Partying, alcohol, drugs. That's, that's what this goes to, right? And you plug it into there. Tried that before. There's nothing to connect to. It could be your career. I know what it is. It's achievement. If I do, if I find what I'm good at, if I find what I'm really good at, all of a sudden this is going to make sense, right? And you plug it into that. 
and you kill yourself and you strive and you might do really, really well, but this never connects. We go through a whole list of things. Religion, <laughs> if I'm a really good person, if I recycle, right? If I reject Western medicine and I recycle, this will make sense to me. If I try to please the 34 million gods of Hinduism, this will make sense to me. If I keep Allah happy, this will make sense to me. Or if I'm a good Christian, if I, if I do all the right stuff and I go to enough church services, then this will make sense to me. And it never does. And the gospel is this. Jesus leaves the loop and he picks up the severed end right here. And he holds out his hand to you with your, with your robe dangling off and he's like, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Literally, I'm the one who's gonna connect you to what you were always made for. And the gospel is the good news that you can find what you were made for. Jesus can hold the ends together. And there's no other way. There's no other way to make that connect except that Jesus holds the ends together. You were made for this. But the saddest part, the part that maybe is the scariest part, is that even as believers, we could say, I believe this. I believe Jesus connects me to God. I believe it. But we still live like this. Still, still trying to find that thing. Where is it? What is it, God? I haven't found what I'm made for. See, the second thing that I want you to understand is that sin severed your walk with God, but Jesus came to reconnect you. Putting faith in Jesus is taking that end of the rope that feels like it has nowhere to connect to and putting it in the hand of Jesus. Letting him connect you back to the Father to find what you were made for, to walk with God. It's great news, right? If you've ever felt like that, if you felt like, I don't know what to do with myself, that's great news. It's really, really good news. But I'm just concerned. I, I'm, I'm concerned that even though we believe that, we don't live that. That's my concern. That we could say Jesus has connected me, but I say to you, now that Jesus has reconnected you to the Father. How's your prayer life? Mm. Now that Jesus has reconnected you to the Father, how is the word of God coming alive to you? Ah, I don't really read the Bible. My concern is that we're not living a walk with God. And I just want you to know, Jesus has made a way for you to do what you're made to do. 
I'm hoping that somewhere in you, there's, there's something in you that's like, yes. Like, I, I know that's true, and you're being stirred right now because that's my, that's my desire. We're, we're going to talk about how we walk with God in just a moment, but I, I just want to start with why. Like, why in the world would you spend time pursuing God on your own? Because you were made to, and there's nothing else that's going to connect you to what you need, like walking with God, which only happens through Jesus. I found a quote. I love quotes. This is from Tozer. He's my man. Tozer, A.W. Tozer, he's a dead guy. You should read dead guys. Here's what it says. The presence of God is the central fact of Christianity. Think on that. The presence of God is the central fact of Christianity. At the heart of the Christian message is God himself waiting for his redeemed children to push in to conscious awareness of his presence. That type of Christianity, which happens now to be the vogue, knows this presence only in theory. It fails to stress the Christian's privilege of present realization. According to its teachings, we are in the presence of God positionally. And nothing is said about the need to experience that presence actually. We are satisfied to rest in our judicial possessions, and for the most part, we bother ourselves very little about the absence of personal experience. Here's what he's saying. (laughs) You can believe I'm legally right with God. Thank you. Yay, Jesus. Team Jesus, right? Team Jesus, I'm right with God. Woo! I believe that. I I don't really experience that. Talk about his presence. What, like, what is that? To be in his presence. He's saying, look, there's, there's a whole world. The gospel is an open door to a thousand blessings. And the biggest blessing of all is that you get to walk with God. It's the most amazing thing that we could ever do is to walk with God, to experience his presence. And the idea of a Christianity where we could wear the badge of Christian perhaps occasionally go to worship services and give mental agreement to theological ideas, but have no personal communion or awareness of God is foreign to what we read in the Bible. Just look at the book of Acts. Over and over and over again, the Spirit said, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. They were praying and fasting. The Lord said, set apart from me. It's like over and over again, these were people who walked with God. And I want you to read those words and I want them to haunt you like, I want that so bad. That you'd be a person who's set on fire, that you would walk with God because you can. You can do that through Jesus. The third thing, walking with God is a privilege open to every child of God. It's not reserved for an elite group of Christians. Some of you are like, he's talking to someone else in the room. He's not talking to me. No, I'm talking to you right now. (laughs) You can walk with God. You're like, you don't know my life. You don't know my struggles. You don't know my sin. You don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know what you're doing right now, but I know that Jesus has made a way for you to walk with him. I'm talking to you. Young people in the room, I'm talking to you. 
I'm not talking to your parents. I'm not talking to the old people in the room. I'm talking to you. You can walk with God. Jesus didn't open the way for some of us. He opened the way for all of us. It's open to you. He's not playing favorites. It's literally whoever wants to do this can do this. It's a privilege open to every child of God. So let's talk about how. Let's get practical for a second. How do we walk with God? Okay, great. I'm in. I want to do it. How do I do it? Number one, steward your affections. Steward your affections. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That word in, uh, um, where it says set your mind, if you, if you have a King James version of the Bible, it says set your affections. Meaning, he's saying, fix your eyes on that. Like, the, the affection of your life, the, the desire of your life, the focus of your life, if you'll set it on Jesus, if you'll pursue him, right? Then you're gonna walk with God. But we have to be the people who steward our affections. Because at the end of the day, we do what we wanna do, right? You could finish your life and have watched a bazillion hours of television and spent like zero time with Jesus. And, and that could be the steward of your affections. You could be a person, right? Connected with God, I believe it. And, and you could scroll for like literally, you know, tens of thousands of hours and have zero time in the word of God that's living and active. Because it's our affections, we have to steward them Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows all the issues of life. We have to guide our affections. We have to steward them. We have to aim them, to set our affections on things above. So, steward your affections. Second thing, simple, prayer. It's so simple, right? Prayer is just talking to God. There's a couple ways that the Bible talks about praying. Jesus in Matthew 6, 6, uh, 6, 6 says, but when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will, what's that word? Reward you. Anybody want God's reward? I do. But we get it in the secret place. And there's, there's a way for us to find that time, again, stewarding our affections. I'm going to set aside some time where I'm just going to, I'm going to shut everyone out, everything else out. I'm going to pray. That could be part of your morning routine. It could be the drive to work when you finally drop the kids off to school and you're like, Jesus, I need you, right? But finding time to pray. The other way that it, it talks about praying is in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray constantly or pray without ceasing. You've heard that before, right? And what he's not saying is like, okay, 24-7, I want you in your room by yourself praying, right? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the daily breath prayers, the, 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 um, the mind prayers. We just kind of have the thought prayers. It's kind of constantly going up, you know, in between all the other stuff going on throughout the day. And it's the, the simple way of saying, it could be as simple as thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're always with me. Just the thought, right? 
copy something, pour a cup of coffee. Thank you, Jesus, you're always with me. <laughs> Fill out, you know, paperwork. Thank you, Jesus, you're always with me. Make another meal for your child. <laughs> Third meal, okay. Thank you, Jesus, you're always with me. It's just praying without ceasing. It could be a prayer of help me honor you now. Strengthen me right now, God. Lord, I feel tempted. Strengthen me right now. Or, God, I'm depending on you. Or maybe it's just, thank you that you love me, Jesus. Thank you that you love me. It's just thought prayers. So we can, we have moments where we're, we're in the secret place with God, but then there's just breathing, just prayer breath, just thought prayers that we're lifting up. So steward your affections. Pray. Third thing, scripture. I, I, I think this is one of the things that if we were honest, like very, very few believers read their Bibles. It's very few of us. We, we, don't, we don't seek the word. It's living and active, sharper than any two edged we don't, we don't read it. I just want to encourage you to be, to be different, to be a person who opens your word. Joshua 1.8, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You're to meditate on it day and night so that you may, be, so that you may carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. That word meditate just means to turn it over in your mind. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate, Okay. I, I can worry. I can take something and I can just turn it over in my mind over and over again. I don't know how we're going to do that and I don't know how we're going to pay for that. Blah, 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 blah. And you just worry, worry, worry. And if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. And all you do is just take that same skill and you take a Bible verse and you're like, I'm going to just meditate on that. Right? You just turn it over in your mind. Just meditating. So steward your affections. Pray. Into scripture. It, it could be simple as a, a paragraph. It could be a whole chapter a day. That's great. You might be a person who has a Bible reading plan. You're like, I'm going to read the whole thing this year, and I'm going to, you know, four chapters a day. Awesome. But do something. Open your scriptures and let God speak to you. Walk with Him. Lastly, I want to make you aware of a, a tool that we developed. It's called Framework. And what this is, is uh, it's the foundational things of our faith. So it talks about the gospel, talks about responding to God's invitation, our new identity, how to love people, baptism, the Lord's Supper, prayer, giving the church, what it means to be a disciple, just real basic stuff. And all it does is it has a paragraph to kind of set up the topic, and it's just going to point you to verses in, the, in, in Scripture, so if you need some help, like I, this is like a, a 12 to 14 week journey that you can take where you're literally just looking at scriptures that help you understand what does it mean to follow Jesus? So this is a tool that we have for you called Framework. Closing. The last book of the Bible, we start with the first one, the last book of the Bible, book of Revelation, chapter two. Jesus tells John to write a letter to the church at Ephesus. And he's building them up. He's like, I know your work. I, I see your endurance, your good deeds. I mean, it's like, way to go. It's like, you've, 
You've, you've not uh, put up with evil people. You found out those that were false apostles. Like they, they weren't really true apostles and, and you've, you found them out. Like way to go. Awesome. Great job. But then he says this, I have this against you. You've forsaken your first love. And when I read that, I was just hearing the echo of Genesis chapter three again. He's just saying, where are my walking partners? I, I see your work. I see your good deeds. Wonderful. I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you. And so today, I want to just say the door's open for you. You can walk with God. It's what you were made to do. Don't, don't live like somebody with the rope. Connect it to Jesus. Walk with him. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.